the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The daughter of the Russian president's closest ally killed in a botched assassination attempt. The foreign ministry implied that Ukraine may be behind the attack. The Biden administration is set to make an announcement on student loan debt this week. I think you got to put some accountability on the college side to keep the cost down. The group behind the Gascon recall knowingly submitted invalid signatures. This is really an atrocity for the citizens that live in Los Angeles County. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Monday, August 22nd. I'm Mike Scott. On Sunday, Russian authorities say they opened a murder investigation after the daughter of the influential Alexander Dugin was killed in a car bombing on the outskirts of Moscow. The Russian investigators say they believe that someone planned the explosion in the hopes to kill Alexander Dugin. However, Alexander's daughter Dugina was caught up in that blast, according to reports, and then died at the scene. Dugina's father, Alexander, is a Russian author and ultra-nationalist ideologue, credited with being the architect to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. He is purported to have significant influence over Russian President Vladimir Putin, and was described as Putin's brain by Foreign Affairs magazine. CNN reporter Josh Pennington explains details of the investigation. A car engulfed in a massive fireball on a highway outside Moscow. Police say the vehicle exploded and then crashed, the driver dead on the scene. That driver was Daria Dugina, a well-known commentator and supporter of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, who was sanctioned by the United States and by the UK. She was also the daughter of prominent right-wing ideologue Alexander Dugin, who promotes Russian expansionism. According to Russian state media, an explosive device detonated Saturday night, setting the vehicle on fire. Russia has opened a criminal investigation. The investigative committee says they believe Dugina was murdered. Pennington goes on to explain that Russian authorities believe the attack was perpetrated by Ukraine. Taking into account the data already obtained, the investigation believes that the crime was pre-planned and of an ordered nature, a statement said. While forensic work continued, the foreign ministry implied that Ukraine may be behind the attack. Pennington says that Russia has stated that if the investigation proves that Ukraine was behind the attack, Ukraine should be designated a state sponsor of terror. If the Ukrainian trace is confirmed, Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zaharova wrote on Telegram, then we should talk about the policy of state terrorism implemented by the Kiev regime. The Ukrainians deny any involvement. I emphasize that Ukraine definitely has nothing to do with this because we are not a criminal state, which the Russian Federation is, and even more so, we are not a terrorist state. 
But some in Russia believe Daria Dugina wasn't the actual target of the explosion, but rather her father. Alexander Dugin, also sanctioned by the U.S., remains highly influential in Russia as he calls for the annexation of large parts of Ukraine. Finally, Pennington explains why some believe that Alexander Dugin was the intended target. An ultra-conservative philosopher and TV personality with roots in the Orthodox Church, he's a champion of Russian expansionism, some claiming he may have influenced Vladimir Putin's decision to further invade Ukraine. In 2014, Dugan said Russia must, quote, kill, kill, and kill the people running Ukraine and that there should be no more discussion. Daria Dugina was 29 years old when she was killed. Russian investigators say they are frantically working to find those responsible. Meanwhile, the United States has announced $775 million in new military aid for Ukraine in its fight against Russia's invasion of the Eastern European country. The leaders of the United States, Britain, France, and Germany discussed Iran's nuclear program in a weekend call. Daybreak Insider's White House correspondent Greg Clugston has more on that developing story. According to a White House readout of the call, the leaders discussed ongoing negotiations over a revived nuclear deal, the need to strengthen support for partners in the Middle East region, and joint efforts to deter and constrain Iran's destabilizing regional activities. Last week, the U.S. and European Union said they were studying Iran's response to a final proposal to revive the 2015 deal. Greg Clugston, Washington. Last week... Federal judge ordered the Justice Department to put forward proposed redactions as he committed to making public at least a part of the affidavit supporting the search warrant for former President Donald Trump's estate in Florida. U.S. Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhardt says that under the law, it is the government's burden to show why a redacted version should not be released and prosecutors' arguments failed to persuade him. He gave them a week to submit a copy of the affidavit proposing the information that it wants to keep secret after the FBI seized classified and top-secret information during a search at Mr. Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate last week. Liberty Council founder and chairman Matt Staver tells the Salem Radio Network that by raiding the former president's home, The FBI established a dangerous precedent for average Americans. Obviously, they're targeting President Donald Trump, but the way they did it is not just an attack on President Donald Trump, but also an attack on everyone, because if they can do that to a former president of the United States, then they can do that to any normal citizen when it doesn't get that kind of media attention. Staver says the Constitution protects citizens from the kind of invasive procedure the FBI used in searching the former president's home. That's why we have a constitutional guarantee to protect against unlawful searches and seizures. There's a proper way and an improper way to do it, and this was very abusive and wrong. Staver goes on to say that Justice Department officials need to be truthful about who authorized the search of President Trump's Florida estate. So we need transparency. They need to be held accountable, those who authorize this uh, search, and uh, they need to be all under the rule of law, like everyone is under the rule of law. No one can operate as though they are above the law. 
On Sunday, Education Secretary Miguel Cardona joined NBC's Chuck Todd on Meet the Press and said the Biden administration will announce a decision on whether to extend a pause on federal student loan debt in the next week. That butts up against the current deadline of August 31st, which is when the current deadline expires. Last week, the Education Secretary teased that a similar announcement was coming. It's not yet known if the administration is set to extend a freeze on student loan payments and interest accrual, or if the Education Department will announce a more permanent solution, such as canceling some debt for each borrower. Democrat lawmakers are pressuring the Biden administration to cancel up to $50,000 in debt per borrower. Meantime, Biden himself has advocated for forgiving up to $10,000 in debt. However, no official announcement has been made on student loan debt forgiveness. The Education Department has already made strides to forgive student loan debt, which is estimated to be $1.7 trillion spread across 45 million Americans. Cardona says some of the money from the American Rescue Plan should be used to train new teachers in order to address a growing teacher shortage. Some of the long-term solutions that we must focus on are creating grow-your-own programs. We, we need to tap the shoulders of our high school students, of our paraeducators who are dedicated in our schools already, and give them a pathway to higher education. And we've encouraged, we've strongly encouraged the use of the American Rescue Plan dollars um, to, to get some of this work done. And we're seeing it in Tennessee. Uh, they're working on an apprenticeship program. I visited Las Vegas, and uh, the high school there has a partnership with UNLV to get their high school students connected into a teacher preparation program so they could be hired again. And again, I want to stress... Chuck, it's really important that I stress the American Rescue Plan dollars should be used for this. Now, remember, only half of Congress voted for the American Rescue Plan, but 100 percent of our country can benefit from it. And that's what we're encouraging folks to do. Cardona also says that the U.S. is seeing that teacher shortage due to the lack of respect, in his opinion, for the profession. This teacher shortage issue is a symptom of what I call a uh, teacher respect issue. We need to respect the profession better. Um, college graduates earn 33% more than your average teacher uh, when they leave. And adjusted for inflation, over the last 25 years, teachers have made a $29 increase in their salary. That's unacceptable. The fact that we've normalized teachers driving Uber on the weekends to make ends meet or working mm -hmm. at a restaurant waiting tables to make ends meet, we have to lift the profession. We're speaking boldly about that, and we want the rest of the country uh, to respond. This didn't start with the pandemic. It's really important that we note that. I've been yeah. in education over 20 years, uh, 25 years. We've been talking about fighting for respect in the profession for decades. When asked to address the Biden administration's desire to alleviate student loan debt, Cardona had this to say. Let me just mention, public service loan forgiveness was broken. We fixed it so that our teachers, our nurses can get loan forgiveness right away. We've uh, forgiven over $10 billion in public service loan forgiveness uh, to date. Um, and we're asking folks to go on studentaid.gov to find out if you're eligible now. But moving forward, yes, we are encouraging the use of the American Rescue Plan dollars mm -hmm. to offset some of those costs. That, that's a great way to incentivize teachers. But we're also saying 
why don't we take our paraeducators and give them some college credits paid for by the American Rescue Plan dollars to address the issue? They've proven right. that they want to be in those schools, in those communities. Let's incentivize them going into the profession using the American Rescue Plan dollars. Cardona believes the Biden administration will address student loans this week. You know, from day one, we've been really focused on making sure we're protecting our students and our borrowers. Um, $32 billion in debt forgiveness from day one. We know uh, August 31st is a date that uh, many people are waiting to hear something from. We've been talking uh, daily about this, and I can tell you that uh, American people will, will hear uh, within the next week or so. Um, it won't be nothing. And the Department of is Education it fair to say it won't be nothing? Around that. Well, I don't have any news to announce today, uh, Chuck, but I will tell you the American people will hear directly from us uh, because we recognize this is an important issue across the country. Former U.S. Senator Republican Judd Gregg of New Hampshire joined MSNBC and said that the idea of forgiving student loans when so many have paid off their debt is outrageous. You've got to look at the people who paid their debt back, and suddenly they're seeing people whose debt's forgiven, and they're asking themselves, well, who's going to pay that back? I guess I'll have to pay that back, too, because it's still an obligation of the taxpayer. Uh, you've got $1.6 trillion of student loans. It's not $32 billion. $1.6 trillion of student loans. As you mentioned, 40 million people involved in that. And I don't know of a better investment that you can make as a person, especially a young person, than to go to college. Your return on investment is usually extremely significant, especially if you learned a skill that is very saleable. So it seems to me that uh, to su suddenly start forgiving debt across the board, the proposal for a $10,000 debt reduction for every, everybody who is under a certain income level, $150,000 of income, uh, which would be most of the people who get the debt, by the way, uh, is pretty outrageous. I mean, it's a tremendous cost to the American taxpayer to pay for people who've really gotten a pretty good deal by going to college uh, and got much better earning capacity. Greg says that a better option would be to hold colleges accountable to keep overall cost down. One other thing here, Andrew, that's important to remember. College tuition has escalated faster than any other item in our economy besides hospital care. 160% increase. And that's a function of these massive loan programs and that allows colleges not to be accountable. They simply take the money and then they spend it and they don't have any accountability. So I think you got to put some accountability on the college side to keep the cost down. Uh, and I, I actually have no problem with Heidi's idea that the people who were scammed, uh, they should get some, some relief. But for right. most Americans who went to college uh, and got a great degree and are going to make a lot of money, it's hard to say that the person on Main Street should pay, participate in paying for their costs. Meantime, Biden's energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm, suggested in a recent interview that the United States green energy push would be the greatest peace plan in world history. Think about energy security. If we really want to be nationally secure, we should be energy secure. And that doesn't just mean oil and gas. That means increasing our ability to deploy clean energy. So we're not so reliant upon the volatility of fossil fuels. So that means... The tax, uh, the tax credit provisions mm -hmm. in this uh, deal will incentivize the deployment of all kinds of clean energy, wind and solar, yes, but also geothermal, nuclear. I mean, there's a whole array of zero carbon technologies that will be incentivized. And it's very good news. So and that's reducing costs for people, by the way. Richmond, Virginia held a gun buyback event. Daybreak Insider's Ron DeRoxtra has more on why local authorities went ahead with the event. 
More than a dozen cars arrived early Saturday for a chance at getting one of a number of gift cards ranging from $25 to $250, depending on the class of firearms, which they then could spend on goods like clothing, groceries, and other items. Participants were asked to arrive in their vehicles with their unloaded firearms stored in the trunks of their cars. From there, Richmond Police Weapons Masters retrieved, then inspected the weapon. Ron DeRoxtra reporting. According to a report at RedState.com, in spite of money raised to recall embattled Los Angeles County DA George Gascon, the signatures submitted to L.A. County were less than ideal. The report says the recall Gascon effort did not pan out due to the committee being controlled by political consultants who were more concerned with getting paid than the quality of the signatures they were collecting. It comes as part of a major report and actual whistleblowers speaking to Red State on condition of anonymity. It says that some of the campaign committeemen knew the signatures consisted of out-of-county people and non-voters. NYPD Lieutenant Darren Porcher joined Fox Business and says in this case, the real victims of the failure to recall Gascon are the actual citizens of L.A. County. This is really an atrocity for the citizens that live in Los Angeles County. When you have assistant district attorneys, senior assistant district attorneys within that office that are separating themselves from George Gascon's policies, this is clearly something that we see that's affecting that population in a negative way. And I blame George Soros because it was George Soros that funded uh, Gascon's campaign when he came into incumbency back in 2020. Porcher explains the crime rate in Los Angeles is increasing exponentially under Gascon. If you look at what Gascon is doing, he's following in the pathway of the San Francisco district attorney that was recalled a couple of months ago. This is something that's obvious. You go in one year, you make a, a critical assessment in terms of if your policies are working or if, they, if they're not working. Based on that litmus test, then that's how you can advance the agenda that you feel is best for that population. However, Gascon is not doing that. I think he's just operating on the fly, if you want to call it that, because the crime rate in Los Angeles is reaching a meteoric high and nothing is being done internally. And I question why the governor didn't step in. Porcher says that, in his opinion, Gascon is not backing victims of crime. Where is the support for the victims? All I hear is this decriminalization, but I don't see any support for the victims. The population is under siege. The district attorney is the person that's supposed to invoke law and order within that community of Los Angeles, but he has failed to hit the mark. He can either make this opportunity or miss this opportunity, and unfortunately, George Gascon has missed this opportunity as a result. To read that full, exclusive report, you can go to redstate.com. Large swaths of the business community are expecting a recession within the next year. Experts point to inflation and labor issues as a toxic combination. According to one poll that contacted over 70 business owners and investors, 46% expect a recession this year, 33% see one next year, and 18% say the U.S. is already in the middle of a moderate downturn. Just 3% do not expect a recession in the next 18 months. 
Recession calls have become more regular in recent months as the Federal Reserve hikes interest rates to try and tame the inflation tiger. Wall Street now sees the central bank as more concerned with controlling price pressures as opposed to supporting growth. However, in spite of the central bank's efforts to try and tame inflation, the fears of a recession have not gone away. A business survey found that 59% of respondents named inflation as one of their top three risks to the company or investment portfolio. Jerry Boyer, the host of the Meeting of the Minds podcast and editor for Town Hall Finance, says that no matter how the Biden administration tries to redefine the meaning of recession, it doesn't alter the fact that the U.S. is in one. Politics is first and foremost a war of words. Changing the definitions of words is a way to change the way people think without actually having to offer persuasive evidence. Take the definitional war over the word recession. The dictionary defines a recession as two quarters, six months of negative economic growth. That's also the definition found in Wikipedia since 2011. Furthermore, the law defines it that way. For example, the Graham-Rudman-Hollings Deficit Reduction Bill made an exception to deficit limits in the case of recession and used the standard definition, two consecutive quarters of negative growth. Futures markets also use it. Whether that is the best definition or not is not the point. The point is that we can't suddenly redefine our words when their meanings become inconvenient to our ruling class. The way to resist top-down language control is not to participate in it. A recession is six months of contraction, and yes, we are in one. The fast food chain Wendy's says it's pulling lettuce from sandwiches in its restaurants in Michigan, Ohio, and Pennsylvania after people eating them there reported falling ill. Daybreak Insider's Bob Agnew has more. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is investigating the source of the E. coli outbreak that has sickened at least 37 people. The CDC said as of Friday it was trying to determine whether romaine lettuce is the source of the outbreak and whether romaine used at Wendy's was also served or sold at other businesses. The CDC stresses it is not advising people to stop eating at Wendy's nor to stop eating romaine lettuce. Wendy's says it's cooperating with the investigation. Bye, Agnew reporting. A tough week ahead for athletes at Indiana State University. Daybreak Insider's Jason Walker has more details on a tragic story unfolding in the southern part of that state. The school says three students have been killed in a single vehicle accident, including some members of the school's football team. Five people were in the vehicle when it left the road and hit a tree. Two survivors now in serious condition. That crash early Sunday morning near the town of Riley, about 10 miles from the university's campus in Terre Haute. Jason Walker reporting. And finally... NASA is reviving its human space exploration program in a matter of days through Artemis. And astronauts may be able to talk to their onboard computer like Star Trek. The engineers at Lockheed Martin, the company that built the new Orion spacecraft for NASA, thought that they would just throw a voice assistant like Alexa on the dashboard with a laptop. Instead, they came up with a sort of custom Alexa system built specifically for the spacecraft that will have access to some 120,000 data readouts 
with some bonus information previously only available within Houston's Mission Control. Engineers at Lockheed Martin assure the Daybreak Insider writers that while software is complex and strange behaviors can occur, it will not be possible for the computer to morph into an antagonist in space, like Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey. Do you read me, Hal? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. What are you talking about, Hal? This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. I don't know what you're talking about, Hal. I know that you and Frank were planning to disconnect me. And I'm afraid that's something I cannot allow to happen. So, if all goes according to plan, perhaps the most havoc the real Hal could cause is to prank an astronaut's family with an unwanted Amazon delivery from an astronaut's wish list. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.